Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of The Alphabet Psalms, where each week we take a look at two segments of Psalm 119. This week, we'll be taking a look at Mem and Nun. That's right, Mem and Nun. And so let's get right to it. But before we begin, customarily, we start off with a video clip just to whet your appetite and to keep you engaged with us and not clicking the close button or any of the YouTube suggested videos. So please, I beg you to stay with us and enjoy this video clip. All right, how do we do that? Where do we start? Don't like that much? Oh no, it's it's really good. It's just you know I've seen it before in gift shops. <laughs> and what about this one? Acupuncture, great. Yeah. What about that one? Showing me an MRI scan. I do not believe this. Each of those maps was drawn up by someone who could see in part, but not the whole. I spent my last dollar getting here. One way ticket, and you're talking to me about healing through belief. You're a man looking at the world through a keyhole. And you've spent your whole life trying to widen that keyhole, to see more, to know more. And now, on hearing that it can be widened in ways you can't imagine, you reject the possibility. No, I reject it because I do not believe in fairy tales about chakras or energy or the power of belief. There is no such thing as spirit. We are made of matter and nothing more than just another tiny, momentary speck within an indifferent universe. You think too little of yourself. Oh, you think you see through me, do you? Well, you don't. But I see through you. All your life, you've been looking at the world through a keyhole, trying to make the keyhole bigger. And now, given the opportunity to expand it, you reject it. Now, I paraphrase what the ancient one was telling Mr. Strange in the scene that I just showed you. But it's a thought-provoking statement that I would like to kick off my talk today. We, like Strange, tend to believe that gaining knowledge leads to greater wisdom. In the movie where this scene was taken, called Doctor Strange, Strange thought that he was wise because he had a wealth of knowledge in his medical field, as he boasted about his multiple PhDs and medical degrees in neurology. We, like Strange, also tend to believe that the more experience that we have, the more wisdom we have. Is that true? Wisdom is defined here as choosing the right path of action to resolve a problem or reach a particular destination. For Strange, the destination was to be healed from his crippled hands, and he thought he was wise enough to know what course of actions to take. Unfortunately, for those who saw the movie like I did, that destination was limited. There was a far greater destination that he didn't know about and the path was much longer and unknown that he, he couldn't have imagined. Throughout his life, Strange's acquisition of knowledge and experience, i.e. all the science, research, academic study, rationalization, and logic, only narrowed his keyhole on how he saw the world and his life. His knowledge narrowed his destination and at the same time narrowed his journey getting there. 
Now, in the scene, it became so narrow that he saw human life as just a momentary speck in an indifferent universe, in which the Ancient One replied, You think too little of yourself, Mr. Strange. In other words, there's more to this world than meets the eye, Mr. Strange. So here's the question then. What is the difference between knowledge and wisdom? My answer to this, in which we will be unpacking, is this. The difference between knowledge and wisdom is knowledge is about acquisition. Wisdom is about posture. A posture of a servant. Let's begin by reading our two segments in Psalm 119, beginning with verse 97. O Alhai, love your instructions. I think about them all day long. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for they are my constant guide. Yes, I have more insight than my teachers, for I am always thinking of your laws. I am even wiser than my elders, for I have kept your commandments. I have refused to walk on an evil path so that I may remain obedient to your word. I haven't turned away from your regulations, for you have taught me well. How sweet your words taste to me. They are sweeter than honey. Your commandments give me understanding. No wonder I hate every false way of life. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. I promised it once and I'll promise it again. I will obey your righteous regulations. I have suffered much, O Lord. Restore my life again, as you promised. Lord, accept my offering of praise and teach me your regulations. My life constantly hangs in the balance, but I will not stop obeying your instructions. The wicked have set their traps for me, but I will not turn from your commandments. Your laws are my treasure. They are my heart's delight. And I am determined to keep your decrees to the very end. Just a quick reminder on what the psalmist is referring to when he mentions God's word commandments, and instructions. The psalmist is referring to the Torah, which is the first five books of the Old Testament, i.e. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, which means God's word, commandments, and instructions are not just a bunch of do's and do nots. They entail stories and testimonies of real people doing real life things, making real life decisions, and experiencing real life consequences of those decisions. Now, whether they be good consequences or bad consequences. Stories that also include people having real conversations with God and experience real providence, real blessings, and real salvation from God. These stories, including the commandments, were in the hands of the psalmist. And the psalmist refers to these as God's word. We are very fortunate and blessed to have God's word come alive and relatable in Jesus, for he is the word of life. Therefore, the psalmist says that God's word makes him wise. What does he mean by that? And what does that have to do with wisdom being a posture of a servant? Let's unpack this passage, starting with verse 97 again. Oh, how I love your instructions. I think about them all day long. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for they are my constant guide. Yes, I have more insight than my teachers, for I am always thinking of your laws. I am even wiser than my elders, for I have kept your commandments. The psalmist loves God's word 
and instructions because they make him wiser than his enemies and teachers and even the elders. The wisdom that he gained from following God's word and instructions far outweighs the academics, his skeptics, and even those who lived on this earth a lot longer than he has. Isn't that interesting? I've come across enough business management books to know the popular ways of gaining wisdom. Now, the popular ways are the following. Listen to your critics who don't agree with you, i.e. dialogue, i.e. in the psalmist context, dialogue with your enemies, continuous education, i.e. lifelong learning, and learn from those who have gone before you, i.e. mentors. The psalmist here says that that's not wisdom. That's merely acquiring knowledge. This knowledge is good. He didn't say that the knowledge from his skeptics, teachers, and elders are bad and should be written off completely and cancel it out. No, he says this knowledge does not make him wiser than they. Instead, God's word makes him wiser. Why? Because the psalmist says God's word guides him. Now the question is, guides him to do what though? And guides him to go where? Let's move on. In Psalm 101, Psalm 119, verse 101, my apologies. I have refused to walk on any evil path so that I may remain obedient to your word. I haven't turned away from your regulations, for you have taught me well. How sweet your words taste to me. They are sweeter than honey. Your commandments give me understanding. No wonder I hate every false way of life. It's clear that the psalmist made a decision not to be an evil person. I'm sure many of us don't wake up in the morning, decide to be, you know what, I want to be an evil person today. So I think we all agree that we too desire to be good and not to do evil, right? The psalmist then says that in order to do that though, he found that God's word helps him to keep to his decision with integrity and that God's word gives him endurance to stick with it. How? By experiencing the fruits of his obedience. The psalmist is telling his audience and readers that he had first-hand experience of the fruits of obeying God's commandments and the banes of not following God's commandments, just like the people in the stories found in the Torah. One of the fruits is a greater understanding of life, a bigger and broader keyhole to see the world, how God sees it, and again, gain a fuller but not yet full understanding as to why he's here and where his life is headed. This is what the psalmist would describe as wisdom, the obedience and submission to God's word. Dr. Rob Reimer said this, whatever you agree to, you submit yourself to. And hence, this is our first point for today. Wisdom is a posture of a servant because we agree to and hence submit to the stories and God's word to gain fuller understanding of life, i.e. why we are here and where we are going. We agree to God's word, i.e. Jesus, and therefore we obey and submit to God's word, submit to God's word of life, who is Jesus, as a servant. Let's move on to verse 105. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. I've promised it once and I'll promise it again. I will obey your righteous regulations. I have suffered much. O Lord, restore my life as you promised. Lord, accept my offering of praise and teach me your regulations. Whenever I use my GPS, whether it be Google Maps or the GPS in my car, I'm intrigued at how much faith and trust I have with the computer software in front of me. When I need to go somewhere, all I need to do is type in the destination and hit go. 
the software starts calculating the best route for me to take to get to my destination. Now, when I hit go, start my car and follow the directions given to me by the GPS, I am basically signing a contract that I will trust and obey its directions and have faith that the GPS will take me to my destination correctly. Now, sometimes the GPS will take me to weird back streets, which gets me a little anxious. But I will say still trust my GPS to take me to the desired des destination, which it does 99% of the time. However, there are times when I hit a detour on the road. Now it could be a construction, a car accident, a road blockade due to a protest, which forces me to go off course and stray away from the GPS's instructions. Sometimes it's because of my stupidity for not following the GPS and turn too early or turn too late thinking that I know better than the GPS. Regardless, the GPS, thankfully and mercifully, recalculates and brings me back on track. This is somewhat the same as what the Psalms is saying when he describes God's word as a lamp and light to his path. The Psalms is saying that he knows where his ultimate destination is, and that is to be in God's presence. Therefore, because he trusts that God's word will take him there, he takes on a posture of a servant and obey and follow God's word. That's the wisest thing to do. However, we also read that the psalmist did take a few wrong turns before, which led to his sufferings. He didn't take a posture of a servant to God's word, and now he is requesting God will recalculate, so to speak, for him and bring him back on track. He does this through worship, which, as we know, worship is a posture. Worship is prostrating ourselves to God. And therefore, worship is a posture of servanthood towards God. In his grace and mercy, God recalculates our route for us when we go astray. It is wise then to take a posture of servanthood again to follow his word. So my second point is this. Worship is a posture of servanthood. And therefore, it is wise to worship often. My next passage as we move on in verse 109. My life constantly hangs in the balance, but I will not stop obeying your instructions. The wicked have set their traps for me, but I will not turn from your commandments. Your laws are my treasure. They are my heart's delight. I am determined to keep your decrees to the very end. We have journeyed through Psalm 119 together, and we came to understand that the traps from the wicked were defined as the temptations that tried to entice the psalmist from not following God's word. Specifically, the temptation of pride and desire for power, i.e. to think that we know better than God and go on our way. This is not wisdom. However, it is tempting to think that we know better than God and get puffed up with pride when we acquire knowledge. We then convince ourselves that the acquisition of knowledge equates to wisdom, i.e. the more we know, the wiser we are. Instead, the psalmist says this is not wisdom. Rather, this is a trap that Dr. Strange also fell into. The more knowledge he gained, the smaller his keyhole to look at the world. His view of the world was limited and finite, which resulted him being blind to the vast mysteries and wonder that God has revealed to him and to us. So let's take a look at the word wisdom in the New Testament. The ancient Greek word used in the ancient Greek translation of the Old Testament, which is the Septuagint, 
is chacham. Okay, that is the Hebrew word, chacham. Now, in Greek, it is sofitso, sofitso, which is an inflection of the word sophos. This Greek word for wisdom is what the New Testament authors would use to describe wisdom. And the New Testament authors also saw wisdom as a posture of servanthood. Here, let me give an example. It's found in James, and he writes this in chapter 3, verse 13. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth and boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. There's a reason why this saying exists. Knowledge is power. It is because... It gives us a perception that we have some sort of advantage over another person. That's why we desire to acquire more, because knowledge is power. However, wisdom is posture. James says that wisdom is pure, peace-loving, gentle at all times, and here's the clincher, willing to yield to others, full of mercy and good deeds and shows no favoritism. Unfortunately, today we see knowledge being used to fuel pride. Knowledge is used to attack others and subdue people rather than having a heart of humility to yield to the weaker and less fortunate. We see this term, cancel culture, think, people thinking that they have more wisdom or more knowledge and so they cancel other people out. James stresses the point that wisdom is humility and I'm sure the psalmist agrees as well. Acquiring knowledge is good, but without wisdom's posture, our keyhole will continue to shrink, losing sight of God's immense wonder and mystery of his beauty of, the king, of his coming kingdom. We don't want to miss that. So let's continue to pray for ourselves and pray for others that God will grant us wisdom to guide our knowledge that we acquire into a posture of servanthood. Amen.